Good morning, church. You can be seated. We're grateful that you have a seat. <laughs> if you are still looking for a seat, I think we might have one or two um, uh, available for you. But uh, my name is Ryan. I'm one of the pastors here at City Church, and uh, what a gift it is to be able to worship together um, on this day. Um, it is a special day um, in the life of our church as we celebrate and um, just really bless um, the senior class as they uh, begin whatever the Lord has for them, the next step in their journey of life. Um, it is such a gift to be able to take this time and set this day apart um, to give thanks to God for them, but also to send them, in a sense, out from this place, knowing that many of them will go uh, to various places from here on the rest of their, their days um, and to bless them and send them out. And so that's what we're doing today. Um, before we do that, uh, a few years ago, one of the seniors that stood up here and that we prayed over and asked for God to bless um, was uh, Camille Norman. And uh, Camille has been an unbelievable blessing to our church family. A lot of you know Camille already. She is either uh, taking care of your baby in, kids in the Littles area, um, she's taught your kids in kids' church, or she's been a small group leader in our student ministry with a group of girls since they were in really fourth and fifth grade and has moved up into middle school with them. And um, as the school year comes to an end, um, it's a day of uh, celebration for all of these seniors, and many of us as families were ready for summer. Um, it is a little bit bittersweet for us because that means it's the end of Camille's internship with us. And so I just wanted to have Camille come up really quickly before uh, we um, hear from God's word through Caleb. And I just wanted us as a church family to be able to say thanks to Camille. She is an amazing gift to our church. Um, this last Tuesday in our staff meeting, we celebrated her, which she really loves when everybody looks at her um, and, uh, and talks to her and uh, all of those things. And so if you could find her after the service, she'll be in the cafe, and it, she would really love for you to just come and, and, and just, just ask her for some wisdom. But she has a lot of wisdom to offer, and the thing that we all resonated with um, as we celebrated her this last week was how she reminds each and every one of us in so many different ways of the gentleness, the kindness, and the love of Jesus. And she reflects that at a young age, and it's so powerful. And so um, as we think about these seniors and where they're going to go, this perhaps one of them will one day come back and serve as, uh, as an intern in our ministry uh, with us. And we're so thankful for you, Camille. You've been a blessing to us. And so can we just give God thanks and thank her for what he's done to Camille? Love you. Yeah. And as Pastor Kyle said, you are going to now get to hear from our student minister, Caleb Mucklow. And Caleb has uh, been pouring into these students, especially these seniors, over the last couple of years now that he's been here, just a little bit over a year. And I couldn't uh, think of anyone better uh, to give these students their final charge um, and blessing and just speak wisdom into their life than Caleb. We are so blessed as a church family to have him ministering to these students. And as you see this day happen and you're thinking perhaps you have younger children, maybe middle school or even younger than that, I want you to know that what you see God doing here is an amazing thing. And it is a gift of God that we have this amazing student team, uh, that we have Caleb. Um, and I can't exhort you enough to ensure that your children, your students especially, are here on Wednesday nights. What you're going to get to hear from Caleb today, they get to hear every Wednesday. They get to be poured into uh, by this young man who loves God, loves his word, um, and is just an amazing gift to us. And so, Caleb, would you come and lead us? And um, let's open up our Bibles as Caleb makes his way to the stage. Thank you, Caleb. Thank you, Mark. Thank you, Mark. Thank you, Mark. Thank you, Mark. 
it again? Did I break it again? No, it works. I, I broke the mic in the last service, so uh, very unfortunate. Um, church, thank you for being here today for Senior Sunday. I'm so excited um, to get the opportunity to preach to you. Um, today we're going to be in 1 Timothy chapter 6, and as you turn there in your Bible, I want to tell you a little bit why we're going there. Paul was a church planner. If you've read the book of Acts or any of the epistles, all those are letters that he's written to churches. And 1 Timothy is specifically a letter that he's writing to, shocker, Timothy. And he's writing this to him because he's been discipling Timothy. He's been showing Timothy what it's like to follow Jesus. And he's now sent Timothy on mission. Timothy is being sent to the church at Ephesus because there are some major problems going on that we're going to look at today. And he's sent to go and help the church in Ephesus. And I think this is very... Is poignant the word? I think that's what I'm looking for. Um, for you seniors, well, you weren't discipled by Paul. I'm no Paul. Um, but, and you aren't going to fix some crazy issues in a church. But like Timothy, you are young, passionate believers for Jesus who are being called by God to a new city and a new place where you will go and make a difference for the kingdom. So without further ado, let's read 1 Timothy 6, 2b to 5. These are the things you are to teach and insist on. If anyone teaches a different doctrine and does not agree with the sound words of our Lord Jesus Christ and the teaching that accords with godliness, he's puffed up with conceit and understands nothing. He has an unhealthy craving for controversy and for quarrels about words which produce envy, dissension, slander, evil suspicions, and constant friction among people who are depraved in mind and deprived of the truth imagining that godliness is a means of gain. The issue that was happening in Ephesus was this. They had these pastors who were leveraging the gospel for their own gain. They were charging insane amount of money for people to come and listen to the gospel. What is possibly more antithetical to the gospel than making people pay to listen to the gospel? You have to pay for something that is freely given to you. That's insanity. And that's the, that's, the, that's the lie that the church had fallen into. And so Paul is telling them that, no, this is not the gospel. These teachers were living their lives selfishly for themselves at the cost of others, and it was wrecking the church. And what Paul says is that when we listen to these false teachers it doesn't just hurt us, it hurts those around us. Verse 4 gave us five descriptive adjectives about the results of listening to these false teachers, and all five of them have to do with our relationship to others. Envy, being jealous of others. Dissension with others. Slander towards others. Evil suspicions about other people and constant frictions with one another. Every single one of these descriptions is about relationships to one another. And so what is Paul's warning then? Is that we would carefully choose our teachers so we can confidently stand in the gospel. Seniors, your teachers are not just your professors. Church, our teachers are the podcasts we listen to. It's the voices you choose to listen to, the accounts you follow, Whatever it is that fills the noise in your head are your teachers. 
So the challenge is, who will our teachers be? One of the greatest teachers you have in your life is the church you're plugged into. Because those are the people that you do life with. They're the people you learn from. They're the people you rejoice with. They're the people you cry with. The people you do life with are the people you learn the most from. And students, the teachers you've had growing up are about to be gone. I'm not dead, like your parents aren't dead, but, um, <laughs> but you're, you're leaving the house. You become an adult. You're going off to college. And so your primary disciple maker, your parents, you are now no longer under their roof or about to be. And secondly, you've been in the student ministry for the last seven years. And guess what? I'm kicking you out. You're gone. You're donezo. You're too old now. And so both of these are now gone. And so the challenge that you're going to face in college is who will your teachers be? I would exhort everyone in this room, not just our seniors here, to choose your church wisely. The church will be one of the greatest teachers in your life, or ought to be, because we know that church isn't just a service from 9 to 10.30 or from 10.45 to 11.30. These are not our teachers. Our teachers are the fight clubs that we're in, the Bible studies we attend, the pastors we listen to. Those are our teachers. And we ought, and Paul is telling us we ought to choose them carefully. Why? Because we don't want to fall prey to misrepresentations of the gospel. I think a lot of time we think that false gospels are these outlandish things like buying into Mormonism or believing in Buddha or Islam. Like we think of those as false gospels, but the false gospel that the enemy attacks us with is a lot more subtle than that. You often are not tempted to go pray to Buddha, I imagine. But there are other false gospels that we are prone to believe. College students, here is a false gospel I want to tell you about, and this is the reason I want to tell you about it. Pew Form and Lifeway did this massive study about two years ago on Gen Z. And the Gen Zers who went off to college, who consistently went to youth group and consistently went to church, by the age of 22, 66% of them will stop going. Two-thirds who were consistently plugged into the church will stop going. That study keeps me up at night. It makes me feel the weight of my ministry. I feel like the last line of defense in a lot of ways. And I, I want to challenge you students that the biggest false gospel you're going to encounter in college is that you can live like everybody else and have the college experience, that you can sacrifice your morality and your Christian witness on the altar of the college experience. That is a false gospel. That is not the truth. Three reasons why that's the false gospel. God calls us to live holy lives marked with obedience. The gospel offers more joy than any college experience you will ever have. And the college experience of partying and going wild is a form of bondage to sin, and the gospel says you are not in bondage to sin, but you have power over sin. 
church, I think we believe false gospels too. This isn't just a college thing. I think one of the biggest false gospels that the church is prone to believe is that you can be a Christian and not be part of a church. That's antithetical to the gospel. Or that you can be a part of the church but not serve that church and not give to that church. That is also antithetical to the gospel. And like Paul's warned us, when we believe these false gospels, it affects our relations with those around us. And one of the biggest ones it affects is that if you buy into that false gospel that you can be a Christian and not be part of the church, it hurts your relationships because you are missing the deep relationships that the church has to offer, that the body of Christ is meant to be for. Three reasons why the Christian without the church gospel is false is that the gospel says that God has saved us through Jesus and that we are called to live in community together. Pastor Kyle talked about this last week, that we don't do life alone. We do it together and we band together. That that is what we are called to do. The gospel says that Jesus came not to be served, but to serve. So how could we ever come to a church and say, you are here to serve me? When Jesus said, I came not to be served, but to serve. If we're supposed to be disciples of Jesus, ought we not to be the same? That we would serve our church. Not coming expecting to be served, but coming to serve. And lastly, if we believe the gospel, thirdly, that the gospel is the most generous thing that God has ever done, and it's the greatest gift we've ever received, then how much more are we called to be generous? How much more are we called to use our money not as a means to make our lives more comfortable, but as a means to make God's kingdom bigger. Throw out these false gospels and stand firm in the true gospel. Seniors, you've heard this. Some of you said it in your senior testimonies, right? That the gospel, the good news is that we have a holy and perfect God who is so good and that when he saw our horrible, destitute, rebellious sin, he didn't respond in condemnation and judgment. Though he should have, and he had every right to, he responded with the humble rescue of Jesus and his perfect life and his willing and undeserved death. But that death would not be the end of his story, that he would kill all sin and all death for forever and ever by victoriously raising three days later. That is the gospel. There is no other gospel. That is the true gospel that we ought to live our lives for. Then maybe the question is, how do we stand firm in this gospel? How do we stand firm? Well, we carefully choose our teachers, but Paul gives us another one, so I don't even have to answer it for you because he does right here. 1 Timothy 6, 6 to 8. But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world, and we cannot take anything out of the world. But if we have food and clothing, with these we will be content. What does Paul mean? Godliness with contentment is great gain. He just said those thinking godliness is a means to gain are wrong. He's not talking about financial prosperity here. The word for contentment here is autarkes in the Greek. And it was a word used by the Stoics to mean sufficiency. So what he's saying is sufficient godliness is great gain. What does that mean? Church, our godliness is not dependent upon us. You are not godly because you came to church 52 Sundays a year. You're not godly because you're in a fight club. You're not godly because you go to men's Bible study on Tuesday mornings or women's Bible study on Wednesday mornings. 
You are godly because of what Christ has done. Our godliness is not hang and is not is not in our hands. Our godliness was on Christ's hands. That is where it is. There's this fancy theological word called imputed righteousness. And what that means is that Christ, he took on our unrighteousness on the cross and he imputed his righteousness onto us. He placed his righteousness on you and I so that when Christ looks at us, if you believe in the gospel, he doesn't see you for the broken sinner you are. He sees you as perfect and righteous because of what Christ has done for you. That is why godliness is sufficient. It's not because we pay money to get it, and it's not because we do it ourselves. It's because Christ has already done it. Our godliness comes from God. And so contentment here is not meaning that we possess everything we have. Contentment does not mean we have everything we desire. Contentment means that we allow the sufficiency of Christ to be sufficient for us. That Jesus would be enough for you and I. How can Jesus be anything but sufficient? Every sound doctrine we have rests on the shoulders of Christ. Every belief we have rests on Christ's shoulders. God is good and gracious. How do we know this? Because he sent his son, Jesus. We believe in a God who is holy and we needed a mediator and that mediator was Jesus. We believe in the Old Testament and the prophecies are true because the one they prophesied about and were waiting for was Jesus. We believe in salvation because the one who paid the price was Jesus. We believe in sanctification that that means we look more like who? Jesus. We believe that one day we will be glorified alongside Jesus. And ultimately we believe that one day Christ is gonna come back and he's gonna make all things new because he said he would do it and that Messiah who will do it, his name is Jesus. Christ is sufficient. He is enough. Being a Christian who is not content is borderline an oxymoron. Think about the story of Lazarus here for a minute. I want to paint you a picture of what a Christian without contentment would look like. You know, Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. So imagine Jesus goes in, he raises Lazarus from the dead, and if Lazarus was not content with what Christ has done, he would say, Jesus, you took four days to come raise me from the dead? Why didn't you come on day two? Come on, man, I got work to do, dude. What the heck? How insane would that be if that's what Lazarus came out of the tomb and said? That would be insanity, but that's not, that's not what Christ did. That's not what Lazarus did. What actually happened was that everyone who saw it came and believed in Jesus that he was the son of God. Why? Because Christ is enough. And what Lazarus was physically, you and I are spiritually. That we were dead in our sins and we were raised to life in Christ. Christ is sufficient. And why do we struggle to be sufficient? Why do we struggle with contentment, church? I believe it's because the primary thing we struggle with is comparison. Oh, this neighbor's got this new patio. I need this new patio. Oh, this, this girl got this new dress. I need, I need to get this new dress. This guy can, can bench this amount. I, I need to make sure I can bench that amount. We struggle with comparison all the time. And how can we be content with Christ if we're busy comparing to one another? We spend all this time sizing each other up, 
seeing how we compare to our classmates, how we compare to our coworkers. Do I work harder than this coworker? Do I have better grades than this classmate? And in the midst of all that, we forget to be content with Christ. So how do we stop comparing one another and how do we be content in Christ? Well, let's look at seven and eight one more time because it gives the answer. Again, for we brought nothing into the world and we can take nothing out of the world. But if we have food and clothing, with these we will be content. So what's the solution? We be content with Christ by placing our identity in Christ. I should come up on the screen right here. We place our identity, we be content with Christ by placing our identity in Christ. We cannot find our identity in comparison. We must find it in Christ. That Christ is who we are. That we are a son or daughter of the Most High King. That is the reality of who you and I are. And when we remember who we are and that we're his children, we remember the status we have before the almighty creator of the universe. We remember the privilege that we get as one of his chosen children. When Paul said in verse eight, with food and clothing, with these we'll be content. He's not giving, he's, he's not giving a comprehensive list of if you have this and this, then you're good. What about water? You need water to live. So I'm pretty sure he's not talking about, what about a home, right? A shelter. Paul's not giving this exhaustive list of what you need to be content. What he's doing is he's pointing you back to Luke 12. And let me show you what I mean. Luke 12, 22 to 24 says this. And he said to his disciples, therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, nor about your body, what you put on. Food, clothes. And again, for life is more than food, and the body more than clothing. Consider the ravens. They neither sow nor reap. They neither have a storehouse nor barn, and yet God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than the birds? He's pointing us back to Luke 12 so that we know we're content in Christ when we place our identity in Christ and our identity is that we're a child of him and when we know that we have a status before him, that we do not approach the God of the universe as strangers we approach him as a son and a daughter. That, and parents, how much more would you be willing to feed your child? And I'm senior, senior parents, you've been doing this for the last 18 years. You've been feeding your kids and clothing them and paying for them to do this sport or that sport or this club or that club. How much more would the God of the universe provide for you? This is where our contentment comes from. We are so much more than the birds of the air or the creatures of the earth but we are children of God. And so we're content with Christ when we place our identity in Christ. But we can only do that when we choose our teachers carefully and we stand in the gospel confidently. Let me pray for us. Dear Lord, thank you for being so good. Thank you that you are so glorious, that your gospel is so glorious, and that it's not for our monetary gain, but it's that to be freely given all over the world. Lord, I pray as we send these seniors out that they would take the gospel everywhere they go. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, church, now it is my honor to present to you the graduating class of 2022. Miranda Bautista. Briley Bowen, 
Kale break bill. Cord Cruz. Liberty Davis. Grayson DeLauder. Luke Fowler. Ty Gerard. Erica Hoyden. Madeline Navarre. Tori Pope. Mary Helen Richardson. Macy Robertson. Austin Russo. Allie Stinton. Emily Walters. And Kirby Wilson. Church, in each of their bags, they'll be getting this story of redemption study Bible. This has quickly become one of my favorite study Bibles. I won't nerd out about it in front of you, uh, but I do really want to. What was that? Oh, oh, I thought that was me. Sorry, Eric. I didn't mean to put you on the spot like that, man. Um, <laughs> students, my prayer for you is that you will become men and women of the word of God. When you go to college, you're going to make mistakes. At some point, you are going to sin and you're going to mess up. Maybe you're like, gee, thanks, Caleb. This is, real, this is really inspiring. My prayer for you isn't that you wouldn't make mistakes. What a foolish prayer that would be. But my prayer for you is that when you make mistakes, you would know who to turn to. That in your sin, you would not hide in shame and you would not run away from a God who loves you so deeply and will be nothing but faithful to you for your entire life. My prayer for you is that you will turn to him and you will come before the God who loves you and you will plead with him and you will delight in a deep and intimate relationship with him as some of you are already doing right now. And that when you make these mistakes, you would know where to turn to. That the person you turn to is God. And that where you go is the church. My prayer is that you 17 seniors would break that statistic. That you would not play into the 66 who will drift away. But that starting here in little old Melissa, our graduating seniors would start to shift the tide that Gen Z would be a people of the church that would live in authentic community with one another. That is my prayer for you. Church, now for the next couple minutes, you're gonna get to hear from these senior small group leaders. They've had the same four small group leaders, all of middle school and all of high school. That's six to seven years. Church, that's discipleship. That's what it means to go there for and make disciples of all nations. And church, they've given up every Wednesday night. This isn't a once a month thing that they serve in. Every single Wednesday night, they've come 
and they've poured into these kids since they were knucklehead middle schoolers to the awesome men and women that they are today. Church, this is powerful beyond belief and I don't have enough words to ever thank them. I might be the face of our student ministry, but I and the student ministry am nothing without these small group leaders. Discipleship doesn't happen from me preaching on this stage. It happens from these small group leaders who are involved in their lives and go to their games and talk with them regularly and meet with them all the time. So leaders, Laura, Justin, Dina, Matt, from the bottom of my heart with all the gratitude I have to offer, thank you. Thank you for your sacrifice. Thank you for committing to these students year after year. I know it wasn't easy. I know we've had some hard conversations, but what a glorious day of celebration it is today to see where they've come and where they're at now. Thank you. Thank you for what you've done. Laura. Seniors, it has been such a privilege and a blessing to get to walk through life together with you for so many years. Um, I've seen you grow each year in your knowledge of the gospel and your understanding of the gospel, but this year in particular, I've seen you make the choice to live it out. Each of you at your own time have made that bold choice um, that's countercultural to what you see, and so I'm so proud of you. And my prayer as you leave this student ministry is that you will completely abandon selfish desires and selfish ambitions in order to fully submit and surrender to Jesus. And I pray that as you surrender fully to Jesus, that you would find so much joy in following him, that nothing that the world has to offer would be able to come close in comparison. Uh, My prayer for you for next year is found in Colossians 2, 6 through 7, and it says, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so continue to live in him. Keep your roots deep in him and have your lives built on him. Be strong in the faith just as you were taught and always be thankful. I love you all so much and I'm so proud of you and I'm so excited to see how God's going to use you next year. Well, church, I'm Matt Nix and I've been with these boys since they were fourth, fifth grade. A lot of these kids I've seen grow up in this church since we first planted. And uh, you guys that have been around, you've seen the many iterations of the way we've done student ministry here uh, from beginning year food fights that destroyed the Fowler's yard to meeting in homes all over Melissa. Um, You zoomed in during COVID when we couldn't meet in person and you've persevered through all of it. You guys have uh, seen a lot since you were young and um, I've seen a group of knucklehead boys sixth grade boys grow up to be strong young men and I've seen God be faithful to you to put people in this church around you to love on you and to point you to Christ Uh, this group alone since sixth grade has met at the Owens home the Norton's house the Waltrip's house and the Fowler's home and that's not really been counting the five or six other homes that opened their houses for them for D-Now and all that to say that there's just been a ton of people that have prayed for you, prayed with you, sacrificed their home, sacrificed time with their own families and kids and all in effort to point you to Jesus. And y'all, God has been so gracious and faithful to this group. And I'm just grateful that I got to be a part of it um, and just see how he's moved in y'all's lives. Uh, been something that's just been really impactful to me. So my encouragement to you 
is something that comes from a verse that has stuck with me my whole life. And it's out of Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. Acknowledge him in all your ways, and he will direct your path. Guys, you've seen that modeled for you. You've seen adults do that. You've seen your peers. And what I'm just, I'm challenging you to do, don't waste your young adult life on things that won't count for eternity. Almost made it. (laughs) Uh, You have a chance to reach this next young generation and see the kingdom advance in them like no one else can. And we need you to. We need you to take that role. Um, Every stage of life has its own opportunities to make an impact for the kingdom of God. But the major movements of God have always come through young people. And the major revivals we've seen have come through you guys. So don't miss the opportunity to be a part of God's big story of redemption. Be in his word, pray, and seek to love the circle of influence in a way that glorifies Christ. There are people in your lives that are there on purpose. Don't waste those opportunities. I love you guys, and I'm going to miss seeing you. Um, But no, I'll be praying for you. I'll be asking God to bless you as you continue to, and he would just continue to show his faithfulness to you wherever you go. Love you guys. an exciting and bittersweet day um, I don't know who to not look at this morning um, it has been such a joy and honor to have been with these kids particularly these girls for the last six years um, to see you grow in your faith especially in this past year has been a testimony of God's goodness and his faithfulness to us I pray that you will daily choose to believe that your identity is found in Christ alone not in your circumstances and not in the people that are around you. That you would turn to the Lord for your strength, not the world, and that you would rely on his steadfast love, his unending grace, and his unending mercy. Hebrews 12, 1 through 3 has a good word for all of us. Throw off your sin and all that is hindering you. Run your marked race. Keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. I love you, and I will miss you so much. Go make much of Jesus wherever he takes you. Uh, it's been a real joy to spend the last five years uh, with you guys on Wednesday nights. Um, we've we've definitely come a long way from the days of, of breaking kids' toys at our host home on Wednesday nights. Um, but it's been really cool. I hope I hope uh, it's as evident to you God's faithfulness in your life as the desire for Him. I've gotten a front row seat um, to watch your desire for the Lord grow, and that's been super encouraging to me. Uh, I, my challenge for you, I'm praying that you'll just grow deeper in your dependence on Jesus and that you'll spend time with him daily. Jeremiah 17, 7 through 8 says, Blessed are those who trust in the Lord and have made the Lord their hope and confidence. They are like trees planted along a riverbank with roots that reach deep into the water. Such trees are not bothered by the heat or worried by long months of drought. Their leaves stay green and they never stop producing. I'm praying that you guys will put your roots in Jesus. Um, he never changes and he'll never let you down. Um, instead of the fleeting things of this world. Seniors, I can't believe this is almost over. This makes me so sad. Um, I really do love each of you so much. It has been an honor, a true honor, to be with you guys the last year and a half, whatever it's been. Um, I really am going to miss you guys. Church, what's going to happen next is the Elders are going to pray over our graduating seniors. 
And as they do that, the band is gonna be playing this song called The Blessing. And as a church, together, while we're seated, we're going to pray over these seniors. And my ask for you, I, I would ask that you please, please pray for every single one of these seniors by name. You don't know their names? They're on the screen. And my prayer for you, and Caleb, what do I pray? Here are five things you can pray for these seniors. Pray that they would quickly find a new church home that is gospel-centered. Pray that they would have wisdom beyond their years throughout college. Pray that they would stand firm in the gospel. Pray, pray that they would show the love of Christ on their campus and they would spread the kingdom of God everywhere they go. And church, pray that this next generation would turn the tide of that horrible, horrible statistic. Pray that it would start here with them, that they would be a generation who made his name known through the radical united community of believers that they live in. Will you do that for me, church? All right, that didn't sound very confident. Maybe I should ask again. Church, are we going to pray for these seniors? Thanks for listening to the preaching of God's Word at City Church Melissa. We meet Sunday mornings at 9 and 1045 a.m. at 2300 Vineyard Hill Lane, and we hope to see you there soon. City Church Melissa, for the glory of God and the good of the city.